Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to The Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana. And today, with my boyfriend and co-host, Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reels to 1959. An eccentric millionaire, Frederick Lauren, who, along with his wife, Annabelle, has invited five people to the house for a haunted house party. Whoever stays in the house for one night will earn $10,000. As the night progresses, the guests are trapped within the house with an assortment of terrors. In House on Haunted Hill. Let's get into it. I'm Vincent Price, and you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. waiting, so won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hurry, or you'll be late for your own funeral. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. Okay, and we are back to Grindhouse, and this is a little weird without video. It's a little weird because I'm in a different viewing angle of you two as well. <laughs> yeah, we've we've made some changes since our last episode, as uh, anyone who has been listening or watching has, that uh, you undoubt, undoubtedly know now that we stopped we decided to put a pause at least on the video side of our podcast for a while and just switch everything over to completely audio we have a lot going on in our lives these days so 
thought this was a good move and I personally think it's going to allow us to make the audio for all of this a lot better. That and the way I am right now, I don't want my ass on camera. <laughs> yes. Uh, so as Leah mentioned in a previous episode, she recently just had surgery on her ankle. So she's a bit laid up at the moment. Literally, I am stuck in a laying down elevated position for 21, oh, 14 days. Yeah, 14 days. The first 14 days, I have a soft cast, no weight on it at all. So the only thing I get out of this bed to do is literally to use the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's proving to be quite the challenge. Yep. But um the show must go on, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I got a sweet setup here. I'm in the bed. You know, my, thankfully, my um, microphone setup, the way we had them, you guys could see we had the arms that kind of reached out with the snowballs. It can be hooked up to a, a bookshelf that's by the bed now, <laughs> and I don't have to move. But it is definitely weird to know that I'm trying to be a professional podcaster, and I literally have four bags of ice on my leg elevated, and I have three chins because I'm laying down, as you can hear. Well, the good thing about podcasting is that you technically don't need to be seen to do it. Thank God, because I can't take a real shower for 14 days. Poor Sean had to wash my hair in the sink to help me wash my hair. Uh, well, I do what I can. But surgery needed to be done very quickly. Unfortunately, I tore a tendon completely in my foot in 2020 in March, right before COVID. So I couldn't see anybody. And me having a disease called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, I'm always in pain. So to me, my ankle hurting was nothing more than just a normal Tuesday. But uh, unfortunately, as the surgeon said, the tendon was, uh, what? how did he put it, Sean? Basically that it was gone. It was gone. There was no tendon left. <laughs> I walked on it for two years like that. <laughs> Another thing I'd like to mention, um, given that it's all I could think about while you were telling that story, is the fact that if you guys happen to be hearing any obnoxious <laughs> cat crying in the background here. Um, so because our cat... One of our cats can be kind of a terror. Uh, we She's have to keep a giant her, bitch. <laughs> we have to keep her in this little playpen it's thing. It's not little. It's a decent size. It's a huge it's, like it's puppy kitty playpen. But she is relegated to the playpen while we're doing the podcast, really, because one, her and her sister fight a lot. And two, anything we do or have out, she will bite and torture us. She is full of energy. She's spunky. She's adventurous. She's a pain in my ass. Yeah, she is. <laughs> so if you can hear her meowing, she'll settle. But uh, there's a little bit of ambiance background noise with... <laughs> anyway, now that, too. now that you're all caught up, <laughs> today we watched House on Haunted Hill, the classic film starring Vincent Price, Carol O'Mart, Richard Long, Alan Marshall... Carolyn Craig, Alicia, Alicia, Alicia Cook, I don't know how she, she would pronounce that, and Julie Mitchum. This was famously directed by William Castle. Uh, William Castle was a huge director during this period, um, most famous for this and Rosemary's Baby, actually. Really? Really. Oh, shit. Um, this movie came out February 17th, 1959. 
It was made on a budget of $200,000 estimated and brought in a box office of $2.5 million. Damn. Which at that time, that time is, was huge. That is big. And all he was offering was $10,000 a night for one person. Damn you, cheap ass. Well, no, to be fair, he was offering $10,000 per person who got through the night. Yeah, cheap ass. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, mill right here. Put a mill in my head. Fat mill. The fat stacks. Fat stacks in my palm. So I have some fun facts. Oh boy. And hopefully we don't clash our fun facts because you said you had a couple too. Yeah, I got a couple. So unfortunately, this film is in public domain. Fortunate for us because if we ever do anything in the future, or you know, you have a a production, you need a movie. You can use this movie because it is in public domain. Unfortunately, because it's in public domain, the people who created it no longer have licensing on it. Yes. This film was uh, shot, the out exterior shot was Enos House in Los Felix, California. The inside obviously were sets. The a- a skeleton coming out of the acid was a real skeleton. And he's even credited in the movie as himself. <laughs> Uh, he was credited on Wikipedia too, where I was uh, I was uh, looking for stuff, and I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, Carolyn Craig, who played Nora, was pregnant during the filming. No shit. Yeah, you couldn't even tell, could you? No. Her son was born the next May, so she was not that far along. No, but they did a good job they hiding did. it if she was showing. And Nora is the only person in this film to see any ghosts. That's true. Yep. I was like, no, but didn't Lance? Lance did not. I kept waiting for somebody, uh, else. For somebody else to see something, and nobody ever did. All right. Those are my fun facts. Do you have any more? Nothing that can't really wait. Okay. So why don't we get into this thing? So this film opens up as the gentleman who owns the house, but doesn't stay there because he didn't make it through another night that he lived there. Uh, is narrating what basically what they're doing, where Vincent Price's character and his wife are throwing a party, and these seven people who do not know each other are going there, and whoever makes it through the night gets $10,000. And you're introduced one by one to each character. Did you notice anything about the structure of this movie? I, I thought the narration was weird, the beginning, where their he- they were just floating heads... With the house in the background, and then the the funeral hearse guiding the funeral cars up to the... They mentioned that, up to the, the haunted house. All right, so let me let me start with, like, yes, as you said, we... So we open with this, like, warning. So it's like the floating head of... Uh, his name is Watson Pritchard in the movie. Um, and he's kind of, like, giving us that classic foreboding like don't come here type of thing yeah um but then it's immediately followed by the floating head of vincent price who's inviting us to the party which is a really interesting contrast right off the bat and by the way there's something that's always super confident comforting about william price's uh, william vincent price's you take that back sir i'm gonna take i'm gonna start that one again yep and by the way, there's always something super comforting about the sound of Vincent Price's voice. I love hearing it. It always just, 
I don't know, just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. I put a comment that says that man's voice is so deep and sultry, he could describe how he's going to murder me while he's murdering me, and I would still be happy. I agree. 100%. I'd be like, yes, Mr. Price, another. (laughs) But the opening of this film reminded me a lot about another movie we've watched on this podcast. And it only got more and more apparent how identical they are as the plot progressed. Which movie? Clue. Oh my god. So... I, uh, we're be- we get introduced to each of our characters one by one as they arrive to the house, even down to the fact that they're all chosen and invited by someone they've never met, and right in the early moments, the chandelier in the foyer falls, almost killing one of them. Oh, what the fuck? It I is- didn't even think about that. And I guarantee you Clue was trying to mimic this when they did that. Probably. They were sealed in the house, too. They were sealed in the house. And there was a housekeeper. There was a housekeeper. They also... This is... It's a very classic story. Like, stories like this are told a lot in this same exact format, but Hmm. it it actually all stems back to uh, Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians, which uh, also known as And Then There Were None. Um, Essentially, in that story, a very wealthy man invites... A bunch of people who seemingly have nothing to do with each other to an island for a like a gathering, a party, and one by one they are systematically killed off. But a lot of movies back in the day and a lot of other stories took that same format and ran with it. This is very much one of them, but they this one tried to add a little bit of a haunted house feel to the whole thing. Sorry, I just looked up and then there were none. Did not know there were... There was an original title for that that cannot be mentioned. What's the original title? Uh, I will not say it out loud. I will show it to you. Oh, but that's it is a, it why is a it's word. called Ten Little Indians. That's why we are, we are not ever, ever saying this word. But uh, if you do want to look up Wikipedia, it was changed from that two Ten Little Indians, two, and then there were none. Yeah, I think that was the right move. Holy shit. God damn, that is a that very is terrible I title. I never knew. I mean, granted, when that story was written, racism was a big thing. 1939. Yeah. It was still very much ingrained in society. Oh, Agatha Christie, in, in the UK, it kept that title till 1964. Then it changed to Indians till 1985, or till 1986. Then it changed in America in 1940 when they released it here. It was immediately changed to, and then there were none. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Taken from the last five words of the song. Okay, damn, I've I've never heard of this. I've never heard of this book. How have you never heard of? And then there were none. I've never heard of this. I had to read it in school. I. This is something that I didn't. I will. I, I was more into early American literature, and I did an independent study in high school in my senior year of early American literature. 
from one of the first American literature novels that were published here in the 1700s called Charlotte something. I forget now. Um, Not Charlotte's Web? No. (laughs) It is straight called Charlotte. Charlotte something. It is this big. It is written in like that old English way to speak. Yeah. It took me five reads and I was like, oh my God, I hate this book. (laughs) (laughs) I kept it for a long time until I tossed it. I was like, I don't need this. But I really like early American literature and I enjoy reading it. Um, And then I realized that being a high school English teacher was not for me because I cannot handle children. So I quit that avenue. There was a time I wanted to be a high school English teacher or a English professor. Jesus. Can you imagine me a teacher of children? No. Sit the fuck down, shut up, or before I slap you. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, I'm going to have a new book to look up as if my fucking TBR isn't already... 40 pages long on the Barnes & Noble website. But I digress. Um, So, pretty early after meeting all the characters in the beginning moments here, we're introduced to uh, Vincent Price's character and his wife. um, Annabelle. Annabelle. And um, right off the bat, at least uh, it was apparent to me that there's a very strong tension between them. Yeah. And we, we feel like a absolute disdain in their relationship and that like through their back and forth banter we we start to learn a lot about how fucked up these two actually are like in the beginning i was like oh they're just like any typical married couple that's been married for a while you know they're just they can be annoyed with each other then you keep her in the store and you're like oh shit uh he's gonna he's gonna beat the shit out of her well, yeah, even in, like, in that opening dialogue between the two of them, they mentioned, like, having a, made attempts at each other's lives for fun yeah. in the past. Like, that's weird. <laughs> Especially for, what was this, 59? 59. I mean, there are times where I look at you and I'm like, I want to I wanna fucking kill you. You're driving me nuts. I know you thought the same way of me, right? No, never. Well, that's it for this podcast, folks. I gotta <laughs> run. Oh, shit. <laughs> I can't leave. You fuck. I'm literally miseried into this spot, aren't I? Hang on, let me get the sledgehammer. Oh, no, 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 please don't. I can't walk in this. I only got one, I only got one good leg. Oh, uh, the early moments of this movie, like, basically lead us on a tour through this elaborate mansion. Hmm. Um, it kind of lays out each room, like, and it starts to feel like an elaborate amusement park spook house did you think the outside did not match the inside oh it doesn't at all the outside of this building looks like a like a i thought it was like a really giant house in like new mexico like looking at it i'm thinking of the hill house that grand huge house like they use i think it's in massachusetts somewhere that that big beautiful house that is in the haunting or a haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Like you're thinking of those in our generation. Then you get to this, and you're like, "This is the movie that spawned that shit." Okay. No, like this. Uh, the house when you first see it in this movie, it almost looks like it's the outside of like a laboratory or, or something, a jail. like or a jail. Yeah. Like it's it's all made of concrete and it's very and they like chose to use this house. Yeah. Like, I'm it, like, oh. it was a weird choice. It was very interesting. Like I wonder if they were trying to do something like, oh, the outside is like designed like a more like modernistic 
look, but... That is not modern. Well, maybe at the time. I mean... But then the inside is like... modern is in the 50s. The inside is like super Victorian and old school. So it it makes no goddamn sense. Like every movie of this era, the performances are superly, super overly dramatized. The lighting is theatrical as all hell and the music is bombastic. Like it's all very, very heightened. Everything is ridiculous. And then there's Vincent Price. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's Vincent Price. Oh my God. I always forget how massive and lanky that man is or was i wish i could have been alive in this man's heyday holy shit all i remember is watching the cast cask of monty mm, help me <laughs> i don't remember uh, it. i never it's an edgar Allan poe one yeah oh, i can't remember but i remember watching that when i was a kid and I was a kid watching that, and I was just like, this man is just incredible. Like, he's so cool. The cask of Amontarado. There it is. That's it. I don't know if I rolled I that right. Carlo. <laughs> no, it's got like a roll in the, uh, at what the end it? of the word. Amontarado. Amontarado. It's like, it's uh, written Amontillado. Oh. So, you're supposed We're to roll the L's. It. Like, it, it's weird. I can't. <laughs> Anything, anything Spanish, Italian, those kind of veins of like that Latin language, I can't do it. I'm terrible at it. I'm just bad. Um, and then, as kids, we know Vincent Price from the beginning of the Thriller uh, music video when he does the monologue in the beginning of Thriller. Yeah, and I mean that's where it's like because I used to watch these old movies when I was a kid, and I was like, oh my god, I know that voice. I know who that. Oh my god, who is that? That man with that deep butter voice. Yeah, uh, I mean, I had known Vincent Price before I ever saw the Thriller video personally, like just because people growing you know up him personally, I'll kill you. No, people grew up like growing up showed me all these older movies or mm. a lot of them at least, and then like once I got into the '80s horror stuff, obviously I saw a Thriller. Oh god, yeah. But Vincent Price has always been like an actor that I absolutely adore. I know. Everything he's ever done is fucking incredible. There isn't anything that he has done that I hated. This movie could change it. Did you hate this movie? We have no cameras. There's no reason for me to go and do these stupid faces. Let's get into it. So, the the money paid out is for $10,000. I would do that in a heartbeat even today. You want me to stay in a haunted house for 10 grand? <laughs> oh fuck yeah! Say no more. Let me get my sleeping bag. I'll be there in an hour. Let's I'll go. I'll stay there for a hundred bucks. I am <laughs> so poor right now, being laid up. I'm at the mercy of. So I learned this side fact. I learned this the other day when I was kind of researching stuff. So I'm on what's in the state of Rhode Island is called TDI, which is Temporary Disability Insurance. Do you know only four states still have that, including us in Hawaii? Me? Four. Four states. Jesus so people Christ. listening to this outside of Rhode Island are probably like, what the fuck's TDI? So the state of Rhode Island pays you, I think, 60% of your top earning pay in like your last two quarters or something. They pay you that. They pay you 60% of that. So I don't know how much I'm going to get. I will not know until they approve me and send me the paperwork. So I am literally living on a women of prayer right so, now. So you're going to tell me that these other... What fifty six states? They like, if it. you get 
Why do you think Aflac exists? Aflac helps with that? Yeah, like, I don't know shit about Aflac, insurance. So, from what I understand, Aflac is a um, a um an insurance aid to where if you get hurt and you're out of work, they'll pay you, they'll continue to give you money, but you have to pay into Aflac. And I was denied some of Aflac's, like, things because I have pre-existing conditions, um, which sucks, but... I also don't want to pay any more money for insurance and never see it because dealing with American health insurance, I could I could do a whole fucking podcast about how much I hate American health health insurance. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. So. No. So we're going to go back to leading from medical stuff to the one thing that they talk about was they mentioned this. Okay. Uh, first of all, this movie is in black and white. All black and white, so that's beautiful, that's beautiful crisp, black and white. contrasty black and white. But it drives me crazy when some things are in black and white, um, only because I want to see the depth of color that is put into these outfits, that is put into these sets, and you lose some of that with black and white. I still love black and white, but you lose some of that storytelling in there, in uh, my opinion. But I... I don't know, there's something just so beautiful about black and white. It is beautiful, but I really would have liked to have seen a little bit of color. Like, if you imagine this movie in black and white, like, something, one of the big notes I put in here was the fact that this film plays a lot with shadows. It does. So, like, you're constantly... Uh, they're constantly casting the shapes of our characters around the room and it kind of it almost gives like this illusion that there are others surrounding them mm. um, or there's like there's that one hallway where the shadow uh, casts the window bars on the wall and it almost like to me that almost symbolized like the character's imprisonment in this like winding maze of a house and like you if you watch this movie in color it's not gonna give that same powerful effect because the shadows won't be as prominent and like in black and white that's why i love black and white so much you can do it enhances the look so much more but i think you lose some of the christmas without the color you lose some of the storytelling yeah i don't agree wow are you telling me for the first time on this goddamn podcast we we disagree about something? It's not something? the first time. And Go back 30 episodes and tell me <laughs> that you and I sit here every week and I'm like, please, we're going to disagree on something, correct? Correct? And then we never do. Well, all right. I'll give you the fact that um, certain, certain movies, especially these days, color is very important. Yes. Like, it is very, like, pronounced and prominent and has a lot of meaning. But... I don't think it's necessary to tell a story. I think black and white can tell a story just as well. I don't know. If there's a sh- movie called The 80s Day Glow Murders, you're not going to watch that in black and white. Well, no. That would be one of the examples of something that needs the color. But this one, I don't think needs uh, it. I am for wanting to see this in color. Oh, God. All for it. No. So one of the things they talk about going back is hysteria. Do you know what hysteria was back then? Back then? Back then. I don't. So, hysteria, I think, was a very bad thing that they said about women. Uh, This term has been controversial history as it was formerly regarded as a disease specific specific to women. A psychological disorder, not now regarded as a single defining condition, whose symptoms included conversion of psychological stress into physical symptoms, selective amnesia, shallow, volatile emotions, 
and overdramatic or attention-seeking behavior. So they mention hysteria several times when they talk about Nora, where, oh, she's just being hysterical. She has hysteria. It, that word, I hate to use the word triggered, because it's, but it triggers me because I've watched so much stuff based on, like, I would say, like, um, sanatoriums way back in the day and, like, insane asylums, where if you were a husband and you had a wife who was being who was being hysterical in terms you would commit her just for being emotional being angry at you for not being like a man like or or like not doing things like they would commit you just based on hysteria well yeah like back then they would commit you for almost anything like if you weren't an absolutely perfect model citizen like you could be thrown in the nut house like that's why we had so many problems with the uh like poor farms and stuff like that that would just toss women. So this led me down to a rabbit hole. I don't know how I got into 1950s hygiene. I don't know how. But it led me down to a rabbit hole where Google Lysol feminine hygiene. So back in the 40s and 50s, Lysol sold a pine-scented feminine hygiene product. Are you fucking serious? contraceptive and later that was changed into the Lysol that we know good god like imagine spraying yourself with people would use this as a contraceptive and and look at some of the ads they would target this to women as you were as you were not clean you were not hygienic so they would sell this as a feminine hygiene product Christ. Right? Uh, This is where I deep dived to it. I'm like, this all came from the word hysteria. I'm like, God. I'm like, what? What? No wonder why. Okay. No wonder why the older generation in this world is fucked up. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We were putting pine scented Lysol in our hoo ha's and considering that a hygienic product so we wouldn't get pregnant. What the fuck kind of world did we come from? Right? I'm looking at it going, I'm I'm like, the same Lysol that was 99.9% effective on killing viruses, even the coronavirus? You would go, okay, I'm not going to have babies. I just sprayed chemicals in my Yahoo. Oh, my God. At one point, you saw me, like, doing this. You looked over, I'm like, I put my phone down. I was like, I got to walk away from this to watch the movie. So now I am on a deep dive of feminine targeted products in the 50s that were deemed unsafe and hazardous now. Well, uh, you heard it first here. Uh, stay tuned for Leah's upcoming podcast about why fucked up we- feminine hygiene products. <laughs> why the fuck? <laughs> and I thought the weirdest thing in the world was using a tampon at one point in my life. Why would you want to stick a piece of cotton up there? I don't know. Let's spray some Lysol up there. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to undeviate us back to the podcast. So we get to, we've met Mr. Lauren and Annabelle, or Frederick and Annabelle. And now we're meeting all the other characters. There is, and I'm going to try to remember names, but I don't, I'm not good at it. Lance, who's the airplane pilot. Yes. Nora, who I'm not sure what her profession was. I think she said she worked for the same company as Mr. Lauren, Lauren, but never met him. Never met him. There was the older lady. I do not know what she did. I don't remember. I don't remember her her name. 
She was very sweet, and I swear to God, she had like ten lines in the whole movie. Yeah, no, she didn't say much. And she wasn't, and she was an actress who wasn't like over exaggerating until she had to. Yeah, which I was really happy about that. There was the doctor. Yes. Um, and then there was Watson Watkins. Oh, Pritchett, uh, Pritchard. Pritchard. Pritchard, who owned the owned the place, but would not stay there. And he had described the murder that took place in the basement and another murder that took place in one of the rooms. One of the rooms was a husband and wife killed each other and one of their heads was cut off. Yes. And the other one was somebody was thrown into a vat of acid in the basement in the wine cellar. I want to see the prequel of this movie where all these murders take place. That's what I want. Because holy hell. (laughs) He's like, oh, there's seven deaths in this building. All right, tell me about the seven deaths. I want to hear it in detail. Gruesome, gory detail. That's actually something I'd like. I'd like to go back to the structure of this movie a little bit. Because mm. uh, you bring up a good a good connecting point here. I always really liked how the way this movie is built correlates to the characters very strongly. Mm. So we start off the movie, I believe it was with four men and three women. Yes. Which they openly make note is the same number of men and women who were murdered in the house prior to them being there. They didn't count the housekeeper and his wife in that count, did they? I don't believe so. I think it was just the guests. Okay. Um, And then later on in the movie, uh, when they, they say, oh, we have six hours left until morning there were only six of them remaining and like it keeps a very consistent there's a consistent theme and I really like that I always thought that was something that like most movies don't go to that level of detail no I was gonna say even nowadays like the most thoughtful film doesn't pay attention that much to the ironic the ironicies, the coincidences happening. Yeah. It's, I, the, I think it's one of the reasons why I was very drawn to this one. Even prior to seeing this one because House on Haunted Hill is no is very different from the haunting movies. Even though I thought I, in my head the house they were staying in was like that. But this movie has a, a board game loosely based off of it. I believe so. Now. Oh yeah, now. Um, Everything I, has a fucking board I've game played, now. Which is fucking awesome. But it's a six and a half, seven hour game. Yeah. Like, when you play these games, you commit. It's like, we're going to have brunch at 11, play the game, you'll be home by the time you have to have supper. Like, that's the type of game it is. Um, did I just say brunch and supper? Yeah, in the yes, sink? you did. Guys, lying in bed is doing something to my brain. I think, I think I'm dying. But yeah, no, I just lost my train of thought. Woo! Much like last week's movie, but um. <laughs> Terror train? Get it? Get out. I can't! (laughs) Throw me out the house! The only thing that drove me crazy were the special effects. I have to remember this is 1950, 1960. And special effects are not going to be the greatest thing. So when the girl, I think Nora goes, who closed the door? That was like the windy moron. And then the chandelier moves and shakes and then falls. I was like, one, this house is old and not kept up with. Two, it's drafty. Three, like, why am I being a skeptic at a movie that you know is going to be a haunting movie? (laughs) (laughs) But in my head, I'm like, oh, stop being such a little bitch. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know that's terrible, but that's how I felt at one point. Which is kind of funny when you think about where the film ends up. Uh, that's more of a question for later, but right now, prior to seeing this film, did you think there were going to be a lot more hauntings and a lot more ghosts with this film? No, not necessarily. Like, we got quite a few as the movie went mm. went on. Like, yeah, they were all small little moments, but they were very strong ones. And that's that's actually something I really like about this movie. Like, throughout, there's a lot of... You see a lot of ghost effects and, like, creepy imagery. And I know you're not going to agree, but I feel like they, they remain somewhat chilling, even today. Like, they're cheesy. Don't get me wrong. They're absolutely... Like, you can't be afraid of them. No. But it's very clear that they had... These images have influenced many films that we see now. Mm. I mean, I just need to remember that this is like 63, 64 years ago. It was a long time ago. Like, I'm pretty sure most of these people that were in this movie are dead. I think they all are. Give or take. I don't know. Most of them were older, so. Yeah. But it was one, it's one of those things where I'm sitting here going, oh, I want this to be a little scarier. But you have to think 1950s, you know, the effect where the hands are reaching out to her was very chilling and very scary. And when you see right on the cover, like when you see the the picture, there's a woman hanging. That's a very graphic image for that time. Like now we're used to it. Like, oh, cool. A a lady hanging. That's awesome. To us, that's a that's a spooky hayride. (laughs) But back then, that was probably like very like, oh my god, how could you? My heart. Like, you have to have heart medication and smelling salts just to get through this movie, you know? <laughs> Frederick makes it clear in the beginning when he's talking to Annabelle. This is one of the tense moments in the movie. That they all are driven by a cash motive, but he has reasons for having them here. Which I think is really cool because now that you point out, like, Clue, in Clue, they're being blackmailed for money. In this, he's essentially extorting them. Like, oh, come here, survive. I'll give you cash, but you have to survive. If you leave, you get nothing. There are a couple of questions I have throughout the film because I feel like movies back then didn't really answer all the questions. But you like how movies sometimes don't do that. It drives me batty when that happens, especially for a movie like this where I'm like, are you going to answer this question or are you just going to let me hang here for like the next four or five days till I fucking Google it and then there's a fucking forum on it and I'm like, yes, finally, answers. I don't know. I personally have always liked being left with questions because then it feels like the movie hasn't ended. It's like you still get to think about it after after the credits have rolled and you get to kind of come up with your own answers to those questions. I need somebody to tell me the answers. I don't want to sit here and guess. There's too much going up here in this brain of mine. So you're telling me you want to be spoon-fed everything. Uh, you practically have to do that right now. I quit. I'm hanging up the hat. I'm you going. can't. You can't quit. <laughs> All of your shit is in here. So one of the scenes that I thought was cool, I don't really have a play-by-play for this, um, but one of the scenes I thought was cool was they were standing in a room or the hallway, and there was a blood stain on the ceiling. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's the blood stain from when so-and-so killed her husband or he killed her, his wife. And the blood leaks onto the older lady. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. No reaction out of this woman. She goes, oh, okay. And the guy who owns the place is like, oh, you're marked now. They're going to come for you. And she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. 
I really did like that little late that older lady. She was so fucking cool for the whole movie. Even when she was getting spooked. Like I was like, she's pretty cool. She didn't scream. She didn't get pissy. She didn't get upset. She took it like the lady she is. You know who I ended up liking a lot? Who? Pritchard. I, he, was, he was like the omen of doom, like, you're all gonna die. Yeah, he was like that, that harbinger of death yeah. kind of guy. Like, But, yeah, I thought he performed the character really well. I thought, uh, I don't know, I just found myself liking the moments where he got to shine a little bit. Mm. Uh, it was kind of cool, because he's a, normally the guy you kind of brush off. He's but, a goofy guy. You think he's just, oh, he's just the goofy fuck. Don't worry about him. Yeah, but he uh, he actually got a lot of screen time in this, and, like, he didn't get killed off or anything, which no, is cool. honestly, like, I really thought one by one, because in movies nowadays, you can be like, oh, he's getting killed first, he's second, he's third. I was like, oh, Pritchett's gonna go, like, first or second. Did not die in the whole movie. I was very surprised. You know who stole the show from me? Who? Carolyn Craig. I want to talk about her a little bit. She, I did like her. One of the next scenes is because they're doing a tour of the house. That's where the old lady, the older lady, gets the blood dripped on her. And then they're very interesting because Pritchard talks about the murder in the basement, murder in the wine cellar. So they go to the wine cellar and they're in the basement, you know, just having a good old time, woo, you know. And Vincent Price's character takes a rat, it is definitely a prop, it's not moving, and pushes it in the acid, and then up floats a skeleton prop of a mouse. <laughs> and I was like. Poor Halloween prop. That poor thing. <laughs> but the one thing that I want to talk about is after that, they all disperse. They go back upstairs. And at this point, um, does he give them the gifts or is that afterwards? I think it's around this point. So Frederick gives all of them gifts, which is guns. He gives all of the guests guns, which is odd. It's very odd. It's a bit out of place. I get why it's there. Mm-hmm. But this is actually a good point to bring up something else I noticed throughout this movie. They had a lot of fun in this movie using this motif of opening doors. Yes. Um, so we, we watched characters slowly open doors one by one, generally until something happens. Yeah. So like the first example I that really caught my eye was Lance uh, is opening doors in the wine cellar one by one until... Finally, he steps into one, gets locked in, and hit over the head. Yep. And then um, later on, it clicked even more for me when Vincent Price is opening these little these little coffins. And he does it one by one, and just the way it's shot, it just follows his each li- lid as he opens it until we see what's inside. Yes. It's such a cool motif that they keep coming back to every single scene in this movie like people are uh either opening doors or they're constantly moving from doorway to doorway and then when someone is about to die the doors close one by one yes it's a really really cool visual cue that something is coming that is kind of cool okay Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I missed a lot with this movie. Maybe my drugs are really making me loopy, man. <laughs> Prescription drugs uh, and Tylenol, not actual drugs. Not all the time. But that, no. All the meth. All the meth. If I had meth, this would be less painful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I've never done meth. There is one trope that drives me crazy about this movie, and I hate, absolutely fucking hate it, is my note is women in this time period were strange. A lot of screaming, but they have to go to the first man that is available. And then it's just a woman being like, protect me. I'm a damsel in distress. Maybe it's because I'm a 19, I'm a, you know, girl born in the 1980s. But that to me is like, bitch, stand on your own two fucking feet. You don't need no man. Well, yeah. When you watch a movie from this period, you kind of have to look at it just from the eyes of someone from that period. Yeah. So like, you're going to have racism where because that was just okay back then you're gonna have uh, sexism. sexism because yep. that's how it was like that's ju- they women, just women need to know their place and their place is in the home and it's like say it to my fucking face but i've said it how many times have i said it i have the mentality of a now and i have to bring myself back it's probably the reason why i now after watching it it's been a while since it came up, Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah. I think about that movie and I hate it. I hate that movie. I hate the message that it gives. I love it for how beautiful it is in cinematically. I love it for the fact that Julie Garland's in it and it's a very different role for Judy. But good God, I cannot stand the way women were portrayed from the 30s to like the 60s, from even in the beginning of films till. Like the 60s, 70s, when there was more of a revolution for women to be more independent. Yeah, it's a hard thing to kind of just ignore nowadays. But, I mean, as someone who's watched fucking movies since I was in thousands diapers. Thousands upon thousands. Like, yeah, I still need to yell at your parents for some of the movies they allowed you to watch. It's very. It's a lot easier for somebody like me to kind of just distance myself you from can just that. accept it you're yeah. just like no that's it's moving from the time period it's fine it's not a big deal me i'm just sitting here going why can't we all be ripley not everybody can be ripley speaking of not everybody can be ripley believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> fuck Got him. i said before that carolyn craig stole the show for me yes personally like her performance as this like young woman who's like growing more and more hysterical over the course of the night she fucking brings it she sells it she, she sells, sells it, it hard, hard. <laughs> and it is really good like 
most of the other performances i'm watching them and i'm seeing how over the top and theatrical they are like the doctor's performance annoyed me because it was very like shakespearean to me like i'm like stop and i guarantee you that's his background that's his background yes the older lady while i loved her and i thought she was badass could have been better yeah um i have a note here that says carolyn craig should have been a fucking scream queen oh this is an original scream queen Oh, yeah. Fuck Jamie Lee Curtis, this bitch. Yeah, she's pre-Scream Queen, technically. She is the screamiest of queen... Queenest? I don't know. Queenest? The queeniest of screamiest? I don't know. I need to come up with a better better title. And I did make a comment well before the end of the movie or, like, a lot of the stuff happened. And I was like, this poor girl is being made to look crazy. Why the fuck are they doing this? And I said that right after Frederick and the wife had their fight where she didn't want to come downstairs and frederick pulls her hair completely back to where she can't move and she's like fine i'll come down to your stupid party and i was like why are they making this poor girl look crazy i don't understand what they're doing to this poor girl i mean i think it was you're meant to get to that conclusion i believe yeah and i think it's gonna be hard to teeter around the the reveal at the end of this yeah but like I think that the climax of this, like, once you know what's going on, I think it was all a kind of a something to draw attention away from what's actually happening. Mm, Yeah. Which, I mean, given the circumstances, I guess makes sense. Yeah. And uh, partway through the movie now, they've gotten their, their guns, they're back up to their rooms, and... Carolyn kind of goes out exploring it again, or Carolyn go back goes back to her room and there's a severed head in one of her trunks. Yeah. So she freaks out. She leaves the room. She's like spazzing out, and when they go back, there's nothing in there. This yeah. poor girl is just going nutty, and then she kind of goes exploring again, and she disappears for a little bit. I missed a whole I missed a whole thing before the guns. One of the caretakers finds her. And tries to, like, get her and be like, come with us before he tries to kill you. And she's thinking it's one of the ghosts, but then it reveals it's the ca- one of the the, the gentleman caretakers. Um, There's a lot of misdirection in this movie. There is so much. That's why it, I, I was so confused writing all this down going, wait a minute, this happened, but wait, this happened. Yeah, and it's purposely meant, like, built to make you believe so one thing is happening when it's actually something else is going on. And even that, it's this is happening, but you think this is happening, but it's actually this. It like throws you. There's there's several red herrings in this movie, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. It didn't fully grab me until the wife hung herself. So Annabelle is found hung and the doctor checks her and is like, she's dead, brings him to her room. And Frederick is just like what happened like what is going on i don't fully believe i don't fully think that frederick believed his wife was actually going to do something no um to be fair like if they have a relationship throughout this movie that's very there's a lot of mistrust Mm. so like i definitely don't think that in that moment he immediately bought that she was dead like i definitely think he was like there's no way something else is going on here She's too crafty. Yeah. <laughs> but the crafty beach. Um, I commented, um, why didn't they just freeze frame on the recording? 
because while Vincent was saying his lines, her chest is going up and down. It's very apparent because she's very wearing a, not a nightgown, but she's wearing a very flowy dress that at one point when she breathes, falls a little. And I'm like, why didn't you just freeze frame that? You've been doing it for years. Well, back then it wasn't a big technique. Like nobody had really thought to freeze the, freeze the image. It would have made so much more sense. Um... And then here's my next observation because Lance and Carolyn are going around kind of looking around and stuff. And they end up back in Lance's room where he locks Carolyn in there. Well, yeah, he kind of he has her kind of hide out in there just because he he assumes nobody will think to look in there. At one point, he's like, I'm going to go get help. I'll come back for you. And then she gets this little sly, cute smile. And I wrote how to meet a husband in a tragic situation. (laughs) This bitch is looking for a man. It was very clear that they were setting them up to be like a little bit of a pair. And now, one of my questions I need answered, did they make it through this night? Are they still together? Well, we know they made it through the night, but are they still together? Did Lance and Carolyn have little haunted Hill House babies? I mean, possibly. At one point, Lance goes off on his own, gets trapped. I put, well, Lance is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Then we see this big, like thunderstorm happens and the lights go out and Carolyn gets spooked to hell. She grabs her gun. She goes looking for Lance. And when she gets downstairs, the piano starts playing and it's it's creepy. I put creepy soap opera music because it sounded like the start of like Dark Shadows way back yeah, when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really creepy and I was like, oh my God. And she's screaming and running and crying and I'm like, holy shit. This poor fucking girl, what is going to happen to her? This is about the time where the at, where the, the twist is revealed. Yeah, what? <laughs> so, the, the thing that has always been super interesting about this movie is that it's a movie made back in 59 mm. that builds up to be this dark, haunted house ghost story, but then comes to this plot twist... That changes the whole fucking dynamic of the the film into a, like... Almost like a murder mystery whodunit kind of thing. Yeah. And so, essentially, it's revealed that the doctor is actually in cahoots with... They're having an affair the and they're wife. in cahoots to kill him, to take his money. Yes. And they set up poor Carolyn to be the one to be hysterical enough that at this point she's so scared, whoever walks through that door, she's just going to shoot them. Yes. And it's the whole thing has been engineered. So essentially, there are no ghosts. Like, all of these things have been manipulated by them to drive her to hysteria so that and then uh the doctor makes sure that he that uh vincent price will be going down into the basement so that they will run into each other and she'll be so so frightened that she'll just shoot Shoot him him. yep and when you think about it it's fucking intricate as all hell it is she goes down into the basement he ends up the lights start to go out in the basement one by one, which is kind of weird. He makes his way down into the basement. The second second he walks through the door, she turns and shoots him. Shoots him and he drops. And you're like, oh shit. Like she just killed fucking Br- Vincent she, Price. Vin- <laughs> Vincent Price is not um what the fuck is the word? Indestructible? Indestructible, yeah. Invulnerable. Legendary. 
Infinity? Infinite. Infinite. Um, he's not Stephen Strange, but he looks like him. Yes. That's what I'm saying. The guy was really cool. Uh, and then I made an observation. This is why I wish color existed for this film. Because when the... When Annabelle comes down, it's revealed that, you know, Annabelle's not dead. Obviously, that's revealed in this twist. Annabelle comes down. Um, oh, one of the scares that Carolyn gets is Annabelle is outside the house. Yeah. And a rope comes in and wraps it around her ankles. And it's the wife doing this, just floating there. Uh, how the fuck did they get outside? <laughs> because nobody could open that fucking door. It's made of steel and it's locked. So, so they were in cahoots with the... With the housekeepers. So there, there are a lot of things, like a lot of elements that don't really make any fucking sense. No, it does not make any sense. And you just kind of have to buy it. It just is what it is. And there's a point where I wish I knew, was her dress actually white? Because she could have been the lady in white. I mean, li- very likely it was very white. Very likely, but I don't know. That's where I'm like, yeah, I know it's black and white, but I need to know, is she the lady, the damsel in white? The damsel in distress in white, I must know. But, you know. I never get any answers. So, after he is shot, the doctor makes his way downstairs to kind of clean up the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, he t- picks up the gun. Um, he goes to drag Vincent Price into the, the acid into pit. the acid pit, and the lights flicker. And the lights, well, the lights go out, and you just hear somebody uh, get thrown in. Splish, and then Carolyn. Carolyn? Carol what was her name? Annabelle. The no, wife's name is Annabelle. No, the main girl. Carolyn. Carolyn. Alright, Carolyn runs upstairs. No. Yeah, she's running upstairs to go kind she's of. She's like, get oh my everybody. god, I shot him, I shot him, he's dead. Carolyn makes her way not Carolyn, Jesus Christ. Annabelle. Annabelle makes her way down into the basement to kind of make sure the deed is done. And she sees a skeleton rise up out of the acid. Uh, just like the story that Pritchard had told earlier in the movie. I would like to make special note of something that was done when this movie was in theaters. Hi. So William Castle was a big... He's trademarked for doing these big, elaborate spook shows with his movies. Yeah. So, like, he would do these things where... Going to watch one of his movies, it would be like a genuine performance. Like there would be, if a monster breathed on a character in the movie, you would feel it in the audience. They would do things like that. Maybe a dude just walk up to you and go, hey. <laughs> no, they would have like things set up to where it would like hit you with like gusts of air. So like, so you're telling me this is the alien experiment ride in Disney? This is way before then. Damn, he was doing this that type would of stuff. Fucking freak me out. So, like, in this, he used a gimmick called Emergo, um, which essentially, so when, that's just what he called it, it doesn't really mean anything. Mm. But, like, when the skeleton comes rising up out of that acid, a lit plastic skeleton on a wire would appear from a black box next to the screen and come swooping over the audience. Dude... The skeleton would then be pulled back and reeled back in, and like it was like this big thing, and everybody would jump up and roar out of their seats. They'd be terrified because they weren't expecting anything like that. And this was an effect that like not many theaters did. They were just these little spook house performances that he set up. 
I always thought it was the coolest thing. I wish I could have fucking seen something like that. That is badass. I wish theaters now would re-implement that. I, I mean... It would be fun as hell, though. You ever going to a Rocky Horror Picture Show viewing? I mean, they're pretty, uh... They're crazy. Yeah. I've been to one once, and it was kind of amazing. I've never been to any. I was at one where we just watched... So we watch a YouTube channel called The Proper People, and yeah. they are... What are, the, what, what are their... What is their definition? Uh, what are they called? They go into abandoned places, and it's like... They're urban explorers. Urban explorers. Touch nothing, only leave footprints, and take away memories. That's it. You don't take anything. Yeah. And they ended up going to a hotel, which was undisclosed, no names. And I was like, that's a hotel in, in Connecticut I've been to many times. And that's where I saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show. They were watching it. People were in the pool, reenacting. It was really cool. And it got to that point, and I was like... Sean, I've been there. <laughs> I've been to this hotel. What the f- I know this hotel. But it just brought me back to that memory where I just stood there and watched these people like fully reenact. People were in the pool dancing and doing something. I'm like, oh my God. It's like this huge cult following, which I think is badass. I am too old to keep up with these people now. I am so sorry. <laughs> Let the new generation have fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. That's an immersive experience. So yeah, anyway, the skeleton rises up out of the a- acid and it it's basically this big Real marionette skeleton, skeleton um, that's chasing Annabelle <laughs> around the room. <laughs> Get away from the pit, Annabelle. Which is funny because a woman like... named Annabelle is being chased by a puppet. Ah. And uh, <laughs> so it essentially pushes her into the acid. Does that mean when she goes into the acid, she becomes a little raggedy? Uh, ah. um, and then as she's melting away to nothing in the acid... Out steps Vincent Price wearing this big, big elaborate, elaborate contraption that's controlling the, the skeleton. Oh. And I was like, Vincent is innocent! And you're like, what in the hell is going on? What a twist! <laughs> and then Carolyn kind of brings everybody down to see what she had done. They see that Vincent Price is still alive. And he says, my dear, I loaded your guns with gun with blanks. I will answer all your questions. And now... I should be judged in front of my peers to let to fa- find out whether I did bad or not. I think he was justified. There was a plot to kill him. Yes. It was absolutely justified, but he's still going to serve jail time. He killed two people. Yeah, exactly. So, and there were no witnesses, no nothing. There's just two dead people. So at this point, it's like, good luck with the judicial system in the U.S. Have fun. Yeah, have a nice day. Have a nice day. But that... Yeah, that brings us to literally the end. The end. It just, that was it, and it came to the end, and there was a laugh at the end of the movie, but it was not Vincent's, and I was disappointed. Ah, well, what are you going to do? I need that stupid, from Thriller, every time one of his movies ends, it's just like, yes, it is done, it is over, climax, we're finished. So is there anything else you'd like to say about this movie before we get into our closing questions? Because that's that pretty much wraps it. Nope. All right. Give me the questions. Overall thoughts on the film? It was good. I enjoyed it. I'm excited to see what else is on this box set that I purchased. This is one out of like 30 movies in there. Ah, uh, yes. That's something I didn't mention, but I did note it. it uh, the version of the movie that we watched was... <laughs> 
part of Mill Creek's 50 Horror Classics collection. It's an absolutely terrible DVD transfer, but it does maintain the old dusts and scratches on the it film. It does. At one point, there was like a lens flare that lit this yellow like swoop. I was like, what was that? And I fucking love seeing that stuff. He gets over. excited about that, and I sit here and go, is there something wrong with this? And he's just like, yeah, it's good. It's good shit. And I'm like, okay, it crazy man. It just looks cool. It I does mean, for some movies, but this is a pack of 50 films, so now we have 40 mo- 49 more to go, and you can bet your ass that most of these are probably going to be making a resurgence on this podcast. More than likely. Oh, yeah. What about you? So, personally, I really like the movie. I always have. It's a classic. I love watching Vincent Price. Uh, I think I think it's. this is definitely still a staple yeah. of horror. It always will be. And it's kind of funny because it's technically more of a thriller. Like, it's not really a horror when you get to the end. Yeah, when you're in this day and age, this is a thriller. This is a murder mystery. Back then, this was horror. This was... There, a woman hanging from a noose. That's pretty fucking graphic for the 1950s. Yeah. So, did you have any favorites? I really like Carolyn. I really like Carolyn. I wish she was a little more headstrong and a little less. I need a man and more. I'll fight my own battles, but that's something that uh, I need to work on and understand that if the movie is not from my timeline, you are not going to have a woman who stands on her own two feet. Yeah, it's gonna be a little wavering. It's fine. It's all right. Whatever. Um, I did like the, the line, uh, come with us before he kills you. I was like, before who kills you? <laughs> what are you talking about? I, we don't even know the bad guy is yet. What about you? Any favorites? I didn't particularly have any favorite characters. I mean, Vincent Price is always amazing, so it's mm-hmm. hard not to favor him. True. I would say my favorite scene is probably that big scene at the end with the skeleton. Yeah. I just have always loved watching that scene. It's just, I like puppets in movies, and that's basically what that was. It was just really cool. Does it work? Uh, For then, yes. For now, I don't think so. There's a lot of, a lot of things that I take out. The sexism. Um, Women are basically objects. That's what I feel like. Like, Annabelle was just an object, and Carolyn was too, unfortunately. Carolyn was basically the bait of the whole freaking movie, even though she was cool. I'm going to say maybe. It's a hard maybe that it works sometimes. I'm actually going to have to disagree. I personally think that this movie works. I think that the story works, which yeah. is what's important. I think I think the plot twist still works. I think the performances, even though they're over the top, they work for mm. what, what they the are. story is. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I mean, I I don't think there's anything really wrong with this movie. Like there are the few things that you said, like the sexism and stuff like that, that don't translate today. Mm. But overall, the what's important about this movie still works. Mm. Would you recommend it? Oh hell yes. Just on Vincent Price alone, it is a classic horror movie. Yes. No questions. I will agree. I would absolutely recommend this movie. If you're not a fan of classic horror, then it might be harder for you to get through. But if you are a fan of horror in general, I feel like you have to see this at least once. Mm. Like, If you haven't by this point, I'm kind of surprised. 
Like this is one of those classics that everybody has seen and it's hard not to, like you said, Vincent Price giving an all-time best performance. My man. <laughs> it's hard not to recommend. No. How would you make this today? Limited series. Follow each character. I'm, I'm spoiled by these limited series bullshit where we get a longer story, we get more build-up. This would totally work as a limited series. I agree. Uh, limited series would be probably the way to go now. Um, this movie was famously remade in 1999 with Joffrey Rush in the Vincent Price Barbosa? role. Yep. Oh my god, I gotta look this shit um, up. And I've only seen, it also stars like Famke Jensen, Tay Diggs, a bunch of other people, Chris Kattan, Ellie Larder, like a classic 90s cast. A and, million dollars each? Fuck. Yeah. It's, uh, I've only seen that one once and I can't recall if I liked it or not, but. It's produced by Robert Zemeckis. I've heard that a lot of people love that one. Um, Maybe it's one we'll have to revisit. It does technically fall in our wheelhouse. Oh, boy. So, I don't know. It'd be hard to follow it up since it's already been remade. And True. this story, in certain forms, has been told many times before. But I think you're right. A limited series would probably be the best way to go. Jerry Rush's character is named Stephen Price. Yeah. That's funny. So, the big question... Is this mainstream exploitation or other? Mainstream. This is definitely mainstream. I disagree. I'm sorry, what? I don't think this is exploitation, but I also don't think this is mainstream. I think, especially for the time that it came out, what they did with this movie went against the grain to an extreme degree. It definitely wasn't your standard horror movie like most of the stuff that Universal was putting out back then Mm. so I personally think that this would fall into other okay alright do you have any final thoughts on this movie before we wrap up today nope it's a classic movie if you've never watched this I think you should it is uh, definitely one that will tickle your fancy as, as far as older movies go I do enjoy this it has me interested in watching more or other movies, maybe um, down the line. So now I'm interested to see what else is on that 50 movies DVDs, because I bought this specifically because it had this movie. All right. Well, that brings our discussion on House on Haunted Hill to an end. Um, but don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. This here now. sensation. Light and free now. The stuff, the taste that makes you hungry for more. The stuff, the taste that delivers. We interrupt this presentation with the following urgent message. Tonight, America is in grave danger. We are under alien attack by a popular dessert known as The Stuff. Here, Jason. Take some. No! Don't eat that. There is something alive in there. Tasty! There's something alive in yogurt. It's called benign bacteria. If The Stuff is in your house, do not eat it. 
If you have it on your shelves, do not sell it. If you distribute this material, close your doors, make no more sales. So, Leah, are you ready for some stuff? I'm not ready for killer marshmallow fluff. No, I'm not. (laughs) This movie, at one point, there's a scene where there's a dude reaching out and his face is melting off, and I go, every freaking time. I am so excited that we are stepping into the realm of melt movies. Oh, I hate these movies. Melt movies are so much fucking fun. I'm gonna vomit. You think this is bad? Wait till we get to stuff like street trash. I don't want to watch something called street trash. Oh, I live we're that life. gonna. I live that life. I am street trash. <laughs> no, uh, I am very excited to watch this movie. This is like the blob on acid, right? This is what this is? It's Yeah, it's in that vein. Actually, the blob is is technically a melt movie. It's the first, really. Isn't the I've isn't the one I'm thinking of in the eighties was the remake of the one in the sixties? Yeah. The Steve McQueen blob. <laughs> I can be the blob sometimes. Blob. You're not excited to watch the stuff? No. Not at all. <laughs> Nothing about Ugh. it. It's gonna be fun. Well, that about wraps up this episode. If you want to keep up with everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast, on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord, where you can mostly chat with Leah. Hey, what's up? All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us. Give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning. If you like what we're doing and you want us show us some support you can find all that information down below as well until next week i'm sean i'm leah thanks for listening and keep watching peace Definitely not recommended for the squeamish.